I'm Dan. And I'm Dan. Welcome to the We Built This Business podcast as we sit down with ambitious entrepreneurs to discuss their journey and hear about the highs and the lows of running your own company. Each episode, we will find out what it takes to be an owner of a business as we learn about the challenges, the successes, the failures and the future. So, welcome to the We Built This Business podcast with your host, Dan, today. This other Dan is currently on an event in Derby. He's hosting one of our office games, game shows. So today, Taylor, you're stuck with me, unfortunately, but I hope we have a good <laughs> chat today. Um, so I'm sure we will, Dan. <laughs> we've been joined today by Taylor Tassie. Um, Taylor is the Managing Director of Totally Branded. They're a print and promotional merchandise company that have grown rapidly over the last few years. And we're really excited to kind of find out his journey, hear about the successes he's had, some of the failures along the way, and also the future as well. So I'll hand over to Taylor just to tell us a little bit about your business in around 60 to 90 seconds. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having us, Dan. Like you briefly mentioned, totally branded. We're a branded promotional merchandise and clothing company. So we take tangible promotional products, add your branding and, you know, supply them into you so you can advertise and promote your business. Brilliant. So as a, as a company, where are you at the moment in terms of scale? How many employees do you have? What kind of size turnover are you at? So we are about 42 staff at the moment and we're forecasting about six between, depends on what, what month you talk to, six to 6.5 million in annual revenue for this year. Fantastic. Okay. And obviously going back to the beginning, what in, what inspired you to to start Totally Branded? Do you know what? I've thought this lots of different people and people have asked, and I, I haven't got the, the true answer. I don't think I've worked it out yet. I think at the time, I think I just realised that I like to do things a certain way. I was very driven, constantly wanting to push. And I worked in a couple of different businesses and it just almost felt like there was a bit of a ceiling. And it wasn't a ceiling as like what I could earn or anything like that. It was more of a ceiling as like you felt like you would you wanted to get into the crux of working with the management to almost grow that business. And, you know, which is completely um, normal for people, but a lot of them didn't want to quite perhaps do that or they had their own strategy they were following and that sort of thing and I was this sort of 17 18 year old that were was probably a bit like well why are you so interested so I think it was a bit of that I think there was a bit of trying to make life a bit better for my family and giving you know myself and, and family a bigger and better opportunities and I think it was just this desire of, of you know, being almost like a bit of a hyper achiever, always wanting the next thing. And, and you know, I've done a little bit of analysis, which we can maybe talk about later, but started getting to know myself a little bit more recently on sort of personal development and that sort of stuff. And I've got a few of those traits, which is like hyper achiever, restless, those sort of saboteurs in the brain, if you like, that, that sort of can be your enemy at times, which they for me definitely are. So I think those sort of things, I was working in the company, but I just always felt like I wanted more all the time. And it wasn't just about the money. It was just about that satisfaction of going after more. Yeah. And I think that's reminiscing of many entrepreneurs, people that um, aspire to always, not always want more, but they're always looking to improve or improve themselves. And I think it's a, it's, it's something that satisfies by running your own business because you're in charge of your own ship. You get to push the boat forward as fast as you as you want, essentially. And if you're a high achiever and you want to move things fast, 
it's hard to do it in someone else's company. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. So were you working in the print industry before you started Totally Branded? Yeah, so I I actually fell into it really. So I left school at what well, was a day before I was 16 or something like that. And I was last year of school, I was a bit like, well, what what do I want to do? Do I want to be I knew I didn't want to stay in the classroom. And that was one thing I definitely wasn't good at. But I was a bit like sort of what role, you know, what sort of job. And and I just happened to fall into to the sort of print and promo industry, if you like. So I, I worked in a couple of different businesses in so some were sort of digital and life paper printing and some was sort of and, and the other was like promotional products, a very much sort of like traditional distributor model. So it doesn't produce anything in-house, if you like, on the promo world, it was just a sort of buy-in and then resell and I loved it I loved every minute and I worked with some incredible bosses over the years that both of those companies who taught me so much and, and really took me under their wing and you know got you know they've got a lot lot to answer for in terms of where you know what we've done today and the, and the incredible skills they taught me though you know early on but yeah I fell into it out of school absolutely loved it and a lot of people say that about this industry once you're in you know it's like a life sentence you can't <laughs> you can't get out and yeah, and that's and that's kind of it. I got in at sixteen, and I'm twenty four now, and and that's you know still not out yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, at what at what point did you suddenly decide that you were going to go on your own? Did it, you know, was it a particular day that you just said, "Look, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it myself." I think it was. So I went into the I went into the so I started in the promo world and then I moved into digital and lifeo paper printing so leaflets flyers that sort of stuff selling into large I was working in central London and yeah I just loved it but then I sort of I had this sort of bright spark if you like that could I potentially almost merge the two a little bit so could I you know have a company that services a, a law firm for example and we can provide them with you know all the all the digital lifeo paper printing and the merchandise both at a competitive price and really sort of offer that one-stop solution because what i felt was is that the promo companies were doing the promo the print was doing the print and they were buying off of each other and cross-selling if they were doing it rather than bringing it all in one central location we didn't end up going down that road in the end we stuck to promo and we kind of you know i think it was a bit i was only just coming up 18 at the time so I was a you know a little bit more naive to to everything and, and I, in the end we realized that wasn't the route we were going to go we just stuck to promo but yeah I, I can't to be honest Dan I can't recall a day where you know like you hear these stories of people yeah. Like, oh yeah there was this day I had a real bad day and I fell out of that it wasn't anything like that for me it was just something that I think was niggling away in the back of my head over probably the space of six nine months I would say and it was like, so it's like just a natural progression into kind of running your own business um just just happened essentially yeah I, you know it doesn't sound glamorous or in, or particularly <laughs> interesting i know but it's it's the truth but yeah it wasn't and it wasn't even that you know when i was in school i i think i was quite entrepreneurial if you like i sat up a, a hand car wash um me and my cousin who was just sort of my best friend at school we set up a local hand car wash we got the business card we come up with a price list and um, we did that and we used to work 6am in Saturday morning all the way through and we we done quite well out of that and then we started a, a gardening business I did some you know grounds maintenance and things for people over the years and I was always ha- I was always doing something that was off my own back sort of on, in my spare time but I didn't really you know then I started trying to look at some eBay stuff and and those kind of things to sort of build that but I never really you know 
had a plan where it was like, oh, I want to build up and get to a point and then I want to start on my own. I never really saw it. I think though it took a couple of years and those dots maybe connected. Yeah, all the traits, you, you essentially had all the traits growing up and then when you went into the industry, you saw a gap and you've moved yeah. into that gap essentially. And so were you, what, were you 18, 18 when you started Totally Branded? I think it would have been about that, yeah. yeah. Feels, so you're yeah, around, around six years in now. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I've got the grey hairs to show it as well. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's amazing, amazing how it happens, isn't it? So, what was yeah. when you first started? What was what was kind of the biggest challenge that you had to had to overcome? I think, I think there was a bit of confidence in in myself, so having a bit of self belief because I'd I'd gone from working proper established businesses that have been you know established for a long time had a lot of infrastructure and had a, a thing behind them I was effectively starting from the bedroom with me and a laptop and a mobile phone and trying to pitch to multi-million pound companies as to why they should use me effectively and that's all it was at that point to, to sort of get their merchandise from so I think there was a little bit of that I needed to, you know and I remember in the early days and my dad when he came on board he used to go why do you say things like that but I used to say oh I'll, I'll pop down to production and I'll, I'll ask them for you and you know I'll, I'll have to speak to my boss and see if I can get that approved you know for a discount and, and different things like that and he, he used to look at me as if to say well, just, you know why don't you just be honest with people and, and I think it was a little bit of an insecurity as well I was a bit like oh if I be honest with these people and tell them that it's just me from a bedroom you know, and I'm 18 years old, they're going to just think, well, we're not trusting you with a, you know, £50,000 a year marketing budget or something like that. And I think I've sort of outgrown that a little bit now, but still at times, I still find myself doing that sort of stuff. I guess it's... Um, so I think that was, I think that was one, one big challenge, I'd say, is, is that self-belief and self-confidence. But it is tough. And I, I think, you know, and I, I've spoke to a few people, you know, recently sort of, I get messages on LinkedIn from people who are sort of, me six years ago that are thinking of going alone in our industry and they sort of say and I've just got no you know where do you start how do you get that security and and I think to be honest I, I don't know Dan that it would have been possible had I been 29 30 years old with a partner a mortgage you know I lived at home with my dad I think I was very fortunate that you know that first year two years you know I didn't really earn a single penny from the company I just literally was it was hand to mouth and we would you know we were we were happy if we did 500 quid in that month you know it, it took a long time for us to find our feet it wasn't like oh we launch and, and thing it was very it was very a slug to you know very much door knocking almost on the calls you know building a reputation just trying to win every little deal get someone on side keep them on side and I think that, you know, a, a monstrous amount of just relentless drive, if you yeah. hadn't have been for that, that was that was the biggest challenge, keeping motivated, even on the days when you make 100, 200 calls and get nothing. Yeah. Uh, so overcoming those con continuous objections. Uh, can you remember the day when you got your, your first customer for Totally Branded? Yes, can actually, yeah. Um, that was, so we, we launched a little sort of skin site. So in promo world you can get the skin sites where you know you effectively just pay a, uh, a company that pulls all different products in from different suppliers and pumps it out on a nice skin site but you've got the same site as 100 200 other companies but that's how we started first so we we got that sort of skin site and i we put it up and i was you i didn't have any understanding or belief around digital marketing seo anything like that at that point it was just all i'd ever been told 
the companies I'd worked at was traditional sales, take a catalogue and go knock on the door almost, um, build relationships and you get orders. And we put this site up and it was the most surreal thing. I thought it was a joke because it'd been up a couple of days and we had this email sort of notifications come say somebody's basically expressed interest in place it it wasn't an e-com site but it allowed that it was like a lead gen form yeah. but they effectively said we've seen these stress dice on your website we want to buy 25 of them i think it was a 102 pound order and they came through and this lady you know she gave me all the artwork and, and everything was done and it was just the most smooth transaction I'd ever dealt with. I had never been exposed to that. I'd been exposed to, oh, we want to quote for a hundred of this. Um, you know, yeah, I've had three other quotes. Can we haggle? And then I'll get a week and I'll give you the artwork, that sort of stuff. This lady was just smooth as any. I thought, oh my God, I've just woke up and there's this, you know, online inquiry come through. I've not had to knock on any doors. I've not had to do anything. And I think that was a pivotal moment for us. We were like, this online thing, you know that's got to be where we push. We've got we've got to look at that as as a sort of model. But that that I do remember that as the yeah. online. That was our first order. Yeah, some stress dice. It was a little lady from home. I think twenty five stress dice. <laughs> Powerful though, isn't it? Because that is when someone yeah. actually parts with their cash. I remember when we got our first lead, and yeah, I almost had to phone round people and say. I'm just checking you're not, you know, you're not winding me out there. There's this is a, a scam. This is a genuine person that's actually looking to buy what we're offering. Yeah. Um it's quite and, uh, yeah, when you're when you're in your bedroom and you've almost got that imposter syndrome, haven't you, that you're trying to overcome. Yeah. I think that's where that, you know, you've got to say we and you've got to say this and you've got to say that. Because if you said, Oh, yeah, bear bear with me, I'm just in my bedroom, I'm just gonna go next door and check in my, you know, cupboard to see if we've got that available, they'd be like. I don't know if this yeah. is the right place. It just doesn't sound, yeah, yeah, 100%. So you've got to yeah, always be in sales. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't It wasn't that you were, you know, trying to sort of, you know, create an illusion as such for any negative reason. It was just to, you just didn't want to lose that confidence in somebody. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to maintain what the company's, you know, looks like online, essentially. Yeah, um, definitely. So you're now, obviously, you know, fast forward around five, six years. 42 team members. One of your one of the biggest challenges I know that you've identified that you've you've been trying to overcome is recruitment. How yeah. how is that progressing? So I would say it's improving, but it, it it's been tough and I, I think it continues to be very tough and, and it's never where we need it to be. So, you know, I think it in part it's probably so we we we're, we're in Norfolk. So, you know, we're it's fairly sort of sparse area you know it's not very hugely populated compared to somewhere like london or something like that so your, your pool of people that are looking for a role within that area probably a lot less so i think that's one of the things that goes against us but yeah i mean it, it's just we just for us we we feel like the only way we're combating it is we're trying to build a bit of a brand within the local area so famous to a very few we want to be well known within our sort of within a 15 20 mile radius so you know as a good place to work as as an employer that's trying to be driven ambitious we're trying to go somewhere and we're trying to create careers for people rather than jobs so because i because i don't think there's many places like that in this area and where we are I feel like if we can create that, that will potentially help the, the the people that are you know aligned with our values and our DNA, as we call it, will be magnetised towards us. So we started with the usual Indeed adverts, that sort of stuff, and it's just 
you know, anybody I'm sure is listening who is trying to recruit, um, you know, I think at first I just thought it was us. I thought, oh, we're, we're not, we're not paying enough. You know, we're, the, the job ad's not right. And then I experimented, you know, we increased salaries that we were offering, that sort of stuff. And it, it just continued, you know, we didn't really get anywhere. Now, I think if you're prepared to wait six, eight, nine months and you've got no rush in terms of hiring and it's just, oh, if someone good knocks on the door, fantastic. Well, then that's probably okay. But I don't know. I've never met anyone that is in that position and we certainly are. Um, and so I think the, one of the things we've tried to do is to start creating more video content from our, from our staff filming what it's like to work here little snippets little 30 60 second ads which we've then used on facebook ads to target and instagram actually to target people that have expressed interest in jobs in the local area that have been looking at roles on indeed not just with us but with anyone you know and people within that certain radius to try and build that that brand and the awareness so that it's a little bit like okay you know if you are having a bad day and you've been contemplating do i want to change and then on your lunch break, you happen to see our ad and go, oh, that looks quite an interesting place. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pop the CV on. So we, we've kind of changed tack a little bit. We don't want to just be waiting until people are searching at night on Indeed. We want to sort of go be sort of prodding them saying, when you're ready, we're here. And we've seen an improvement with that. But I would say that it's, it's still not where we need it to be. And it is definitely one of you know the thing that holds us back hugely. And it has done for about two years, I think. Yeah, it's um it's a challenging market at the moment, isn't it? Because I know through um obviously the COVID era, and then as we've come out, there's a there's a decrease in the in the working population essentially. And I, I imagine that the the print world is quite hard to work from home. In the roles you're yeah. looking for, I think yeah. So if you take for example production, it's very difficult for us to you know let somebody take you know. A, a printer the size half the size of this room and put it in their bedroom and run it you know that kind of stuff it doesn't it just doesn't we haven't we have been asked that you know you laugh they also they also might not like the electricity bill (laughs) (laughs) no yes neither do i but yeah i think that you know where we can accommodate it we've tried you know we've got a few people that work remotely more in sort of accounts roles finance marketing so we've got a bit you know our um, pay-per-click manager for example is remote that sort of stuff so I think that where we can, we have. But yeah, you hit the nail on the head. In 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 our sort of industry, it's just very very. It's just practically not possible a lot of the time. And that's, yeah, that's the challenge. But I think people are drawn to maybe these more attractive roles. Um, having said that, our sort of average—I I can't remember it, it changes every month—but our average um, age of em- employees is quite young. I, I definitely think that. I think you know, I'd say mid mid 20s is probably our average average age i would say because we do get a lot of young people from the area that come out of school want a challenge want somewhere they can progress and i think because we put on things that maybe other employers don't in the local area at least here with like the office golf the events the social aspects the training that sort of stuff i think those sort of things people go oh they're, they're quite a laugh to work there you know and yeah. so we do have a very steady application from people with sort of no experience but where we lack i think is where we sort of people applying that maybe have that that sort of more specialist experience and, yeah. and i think yeah that, that's definitely a challenge and I, I don't think you're alone i think there's a lot of um a lot of industries including our own that we're you know 
we struggle with that that level of recruitment. I think you're doing, you know, I, I'm aware of your day in the life series, as you as you know, which is really really informative. Um, and you know, I think doing things like that, like making people aware of who you are and building almost like a bit of a personal yeah. brand. Yeah, I saw that on there that you know from that that you you know you're doing summer party events. You know what you're getting up yeah. to. People will watch that and they can buy into it and they think that's actually a company I'd like to join over another company that you know they may look into and can't find anything about. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that was one of the real driving forces because a couple of people said to me, "Oh, you know what? What spurred you on to do the whole day in the life thing?" And I think it was it was a sort of an extension of the sort of promo videos we've been doing for the, for totally branded but if i was looking to join a company and i followed that kind of journey that's very brutally real and honest of what it genuinely is like here so to build that trust and and you know anybody that comes for an interview and they're like well what's it quite what's it like what's an average day? you know you can say look we direct them towards that and say look that gives you a feel for the culture because you can pick up on those sort of things from those sort of videos so i definitely think that was a, a good move and yeah. you know, I think that will help, but it's just a long, it's a long time to sort of that for that to compound, as I'm sure you can imagine. And hundred percent, yeah. Sometimes I think it takes one to two years. <laughs> I swear it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah, it's yeah. Le- le- leverage time, isn't it? You do the work once, and it's still working for you in one to two years' time. So, so another challenge that you you had was automation and systems. So you obviously went from your bedroom, you know, five six years ago. How did that progress into, you know, employing 42 peoples, you know, nearly £7 million in revenue? You know, what, what kind of automation, what systems, challenges did you have along the way? I think that in terms of, you know, over the years, there's, there's been absolutely tons. But I think that we are probably feeling it now, Dan, more than ever. I think research proven when I've read up on it that sort of when you cross that 30 line in terms of numbers of people, it everything changes because you know and and i do i do feel that and i think probably we crossed the 30 line about christmas time just gone and then obviously we've had quite a significant growth this first quarter but i think that that's when i really started to struggle and and realize that you know the systems and processes a lot of them should have been put in by me a long long time ago Mm. and i think that it was just easy because I very much had my hands around most departments I was involved in most things day to day but I think as we've sort of took that next leap and we're now in that horrible phase where we're not a large company but we're not a small company and I think that now we're really starting to feel it where before certain things we would do would just be our shout across the room to the office you know, and you just say, oh, that's how you do that. Does a, that sort of stuff can't happen anymore. You know, we operate across two different buildings. You know, as you say, the team's grown quite a lot. And what we're finding is the amount of such basic mistakes, if you look at them in isolation, happen that costs huge amounts of money every day. But they're not anybody's fault. They're the system's fault. We don't have an accurate enough system. So, you know, in terms of our sort of ERP and everything that powers, you know, it, it doesn't always have all, it, it gives some information, but it, it sort of relies on you needing to have been here for the last two years to remember, oh, yeah, it does say that, but it's not strictly true because yeah. we've never invested in the in the real detail, flow charts, processes, um, heavy level of automation. And we've realised over the last few months that for us to sort of go up to the next level and, and go where we're trying to go, if we don't kind of stop growing, put all those foundations that we perhaps missed 
back in, it, it could be quite detrimental in, in so many areas, not just in growth, but in culture, because people obviously get frustrated, you know, they think they're doing something right, and then it turns out they've done something wrong, but it's not them, it's the system. Yeah. So a lot of my focus at the moment, I must admit, is is our sort of systems and processes and automation and trying to take that sort of element out of it. And the computer needs to do so much more to speed things up for people but yeah, yeah. and because as well Dan my back you know what I thrived on is sales and marketing here I've just really heavily you know learned lots of different marketing tactics sales that sort of stuff what I haven't ever had to worry about is you know running the operations and the day-to-day are sort of workings of what will be soon 50 people across the two sites and I think that's the challenge of I'm out of my comfort zone quite deeply in trying to work out right operationally how does that work you know and then you're constantly in that you're in a meeting where maybe sales want something marketing want another thing production and finance want something different and you're sort of like the orchestra in the middle trying to make sure everybody's happy and just keep everything ticking so definitely yeah systems and processes I would say for anybody that's sort of you know if I could go back two years I would have definitely slowed down a little bit on the growth and spend more time on the systems and the processes and that infrastructure before that. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of people do say sales before operations, but, you know, and I, yeah. I, I do, I kind of get it. Um, but at the same time, it's when you, when that happens and then you wait too long for the operations, my God, does it hurt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I yeah. Think, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I think you're definitely doing the right thing, sales before, because otherwise you can build all the logistics, all the operations, all the CRM systems in the world. Yeah, I think there's a, you know. Yeah, there is a fine line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, of course, you can't go and spend you know, 50 grand on this hyper automation and all that sort of stuff and having developers in-house and everything before you've got the money to pay for it. I just think we waited too long for that to, to clock on, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but you're aware of it. And I think that's the key thing is, is if you're aware of it and you're working on it, that's all you can do because there's always a problem in there. There's always something going on. Yeah, definitely. All, and what, just as we solve this, there'll be something different. So, <laughs> yeah. So... Maybe the game. That brings me on to, to premises. So I believe you moved into a new premises recently. So, yeah, an, another big challenge has always been space for us. So I think I heard this a long time ago. I think, can't remember who it was now, but somebody I followed online had, had gone through a similar thing. And somebody, I think it was Richard Branson, said to them that, you know, whatever you think you need, double it. So every time we've moved building, we've gone into this bigger place and look at it and go, God, how are we ever going to fill this? This is like, you know, it's way too big. This is silly. Oh, at least we'll be covering for a few years. And then it just seems to be a recurring theme a year in onto what is normally a six, 10 year lease. We're absolutely a bursting point. We've got people sitting in the corridors. And I think that I'm finally now, after six years, learning that, we need to always think bigger when it comes to space. The problem for us has been we take the building on. Mainly what caps us is we're worried about the financial outlay because at the end of the day, you're signing into what is normally, I've not seen anything less than, even with the break clause, three years in terms of a lease at best. For sort of, we're talking for 6,000 plus square foot facilities, you know, not sort of easy and easy out offices. But yeah, and, and I think for us it's that commitment of God, we're signing into a big lease here and we're tied to this for a long time. If things 
go rough or you know covid comes back or something like that and you have to scale down again we're, we're in for this and i think there's that sort of in the back of your head that devil sort of stopping but what seems to happen and it, it happens to us all the time is by us playing it a bit safer it costs us so much more money further down the line and this is a prime example so we we took a building just on the next street and i think that's about four five thousand square feet something like that i can't remember exactly what it is and at the time we were you know like 15 of us and we were like oh, this is plenty big you know we'll be we'll be sorted here for ages um you know two years in we've got like seven containers in the yard now it's absolutely brimming and it's slowing our growth down because again we we literally have got no more space to store even in the in the yard to store stock and we can't fit all of the you know sales and marketing people in so we're quite lucky we, we came across this building which was falling through with somebody else that was buying it and this is in the next street and the, the owners were selling this and so we started engaging with them and we said look this is you know could be perfect for us so we i got carried away in my usual fashion and i said oh there's land at the back we can expand we can extend this brilliant so we went through we purchased it we spent about a month and a bit two months we got some trade people in and we gutted it all because it was like a builder's merchants in the yard so right. we gutted it all and we've rejigged it all and now our sales and marketing team are here but what's happened is we planned we've just been going through planning permission everything at the moment to basically almost triple the size of this building that we're in and then by the time the lease ends at the other building we were going to bring everything into this one brand new place that we would own and operate from but i had a meeting the other day and just in my typical fashion just with the machinery and the equipment that we've recently had installed in the last month or so since this is we started this process even if we moved in today and the full extension was done we wouldn't there wouldn't be enough space we've, we've already outgrown it before so it's it's just a concert it's like now we, we're redesigning what we're going to do with the rest of the plot at the back and, and how we're going to utilize it but almost back to the drawing board again and it, you know it's not embarrassing to say because it's i think it's brutally honest and i'm not going to pretend you know it was planned and and that but you know at the time i thought it was a brilliant idea and it was you know it all seemed to stack and i think you, you get in that mode and you think oh this is this is it da, da, da. but i think one thing i'd love to work on a little bit more is just thinking that bit further ahead yeah because i think that that that's something I, we would have still done this because regardless we own it so it's an asset for the company mm-hmm. you can always leverage that and i think that it's a, a good um opportunity for us to expand our sales and marketing but in terms of to bring everyone in one place it, it, yeah it just seems to be every month the site we need just gets bigger and bigger which is very frustrating i think it's a, it's a, it sounds like yeah it's, it's definitely a problem but it's also a good problem as in like it because you're growing yeah you know yes it is yeah definitely you're you're utilizing that that space there's not tons and tons of space that isn't being utilized it's just like you said it's constant worry of we're going to outgrow this now and we've just spent yeah. and trying to make it the, our, our the place for years balance. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing. It's, it's trying to find that happy balance between you want to take on a big, big unit, but obviously you've got cash flow that. And then going back to that sales before operations, you know, you need the money to be coming in really to be able to then go in front of that. Yeah. And that, yeah, it, that's definitely a big challenge for us spaces always. And I think that we probably will get lucky probably next year. I'd say we'll be at a good size where there'll be enough cash flow there to sort of front something which is right this really is we're not just going to let taylor choose this we're going to get an expert somebody in as an expert to forecast <laughs> will this be enough size yeah. for the next three five years um 
and I think that, that we'll be in a position, but it is tough. And, and even at a smaller scale, when we had our first little room as an office, when we first moved out of the bedroom, you know, we thought that would do us for a couple of years. It was, you know, nine months and that was, you know, a price. so we, you'd think we'd learn, but it's, it's difficult when you've got to sign your name and personally guarantee to these big leases. I think it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. That's, that's why. It's, it's hard to, yeah, say I'm going to need five times more than I've got now in yeah. three years isn't it and say well I'm gonna, let's do it now yeah. because you, you can't yeah, envisage it and you know no one knew covid was going to happen and you know all these things yeah. happened but you know would, would you say if it sped your growth up yes massively so I, I think covid was a was an actual tipping point for us so pre-covid we were sort of 50 50 so we still had sort of 50 percent of our business was the old school catalogue going out and seeing customers, that sort of thing, and very much building relationships through cold calling and mailings, that sort of stuff. And then 50% was online and for our lead generation website. Obviously, in COVID, nobody wanted to meet anybody you couldn't. So what it done was it forced all of my time whilst the world was in turmoil and nobody was buying tote bags and pens to have their logo on. What It allowed me to really get my teeth into learning this SEO, PPC, you know, social marketing, all that sort of stuff. And I did loads of courses, training, books, testing, measuring, experimenting with all of our platforms and sites. And we just saw, you know, when you look at the sort of traffic growth online, it was just, you know, that that year of compounding work was just off the scale. So by some strange miracle, we doubled in size during COVID. So the wow. first few months of COVID, we were like, oh, okay, this was hell. And we were like everyone else in turmoil. But I remember by the July, we were absolutely, you know, we, were, we couldn't work out how we'd done it, but we were just busy every day. We were, yeah. you know, and it wasn't even just sort of stuff, you, you know, it was, it was companies like big housing developers that wanted branded water bottles and they wanted them produce 15,000 of them mailed to every single you know, person working from home's address with a personalised note. So, you know, a lot of companies, you know, we, we did do some branded face masks. So we did do some of those and they went down really well. We didn't really jump on the bandwagon of selling all the gowns and all the PPE stuff. That's not us. We stuck to branded items and, and you know, we were quite busy with that. But yeah, we, it was all off the back of, I stand by that if I hadn't have spent that first six months of, you know, when COVID really kicked in, really doubling down on our digital marketing, learning it for ourselves, because we wouldn't have been able to afford to outsource it during that time because, you know, every penny counted. Um, and I, I really learned it. I knew the wording. I knew what people would search. And I was literally going in doing that myself. And I think that's what, you know, was, was a tipping point. And I don't think I would have ever given myself the permission to stop and do that had I not been forced to be locked down. Yeah, I would have still been out knocking on doors the traditional yeah. way. So you know, as horrible as it was, I think for up for this company, it was one of the best things in its history. This podcast is sponsored by Shazoo.co. They put together branded swag boxes for new employees that make the onboarding experience personal. Check out Shazoo.co today. Amazing story, amazing. And no, I guess since then, have you invested in digital marketing? 
hugely yeah it's um, when we have our sort of board meetings and finance meetings it still gets some funny looks at some of the monthly PL amounts sitting in our uh, marketing spend each month so we yeah we've got a whole team now we've got full-time then we've got some digital marketing executives that work on our website we've got a in-house developer uh, we've got a pay-per-click ads manager and we use a few different companies that consult on quite specialist you know things when we need it um and yeah it's one of my sort of babies if you like of the company that i still we still haven't got a i think a marketing manager for that to lead that department and i think that's something that i need to give up i i just love being involved because it's something i feel really passionate about and i really enjoy being involved in you know yeah. thick of it day to day so it yeah i don't think the, the team love that because i'm still digging me <laughs> in all the time and um, everyone all the other departments have got a manager but I think that um, it's something we should probably do. But yeah, it's massively, I would say. And and for anybody, you know, I've heard so many horror stories of people that have spent, you know, tens of thousands of pounds signing into, you know, retainers with agencies and, you know, smaller businesses and Mm. who trust people with this money. It never seems to materialise to anything and they feel like they've been scammed. And the truth of it is, in my opinion, We've been on that end of it, by the way. That's how we first, when we first started before COVID, we dabbled a little bit and spent a few thousand here and there and didn't get any a dime of a result. The truth of it is, I think the agencies are very good at what they do. They know their stuff. The problem is they don't know your business like you do. So it's not as simple as just saying, here's our domain. Here's five grand this month. Go and get me loads of leads. It's just not as simple as that. And I think too many people expect them to to know the word. They don't know the keywords and and they don't know the the demographic that you really want, the the ideal customer. And I think that if you're going to do that sort of stuff, invest in getting some basic knowledge yourself first. So when you're talking to these agencies, you know, you can really understand it and, and sort of be one step ahead in terms of guiding them with the right keywords, the right strategy, and then they can go away and do the technical side of it. Yeah. No, I think it's really good advice. We've we've just for the first time ever, I think it was last month, outsourced our PPC spend, and it was because okay. we, we got to the point where we were looking again, looking at the P and L, and it was you know we were spending about twenty grand a month, and I was like, and I'm technically managing this, but I'm not really managing it, as in like I haven't got the exactly. time. So I'm like, yeah, how much yeah, money yeah. are we wasting by me managing this? Yeah. You know, because I'm not managing it yeah. properly. So yeah, we we've just outsourced it. So we're you know we're we're going to see in, in about three months how how much money I've probably wasted over the years. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> there we but go. That's, but for me, that's brilliant, though, because like you've said, you, you know the PPC, you know the campaign, you know the results you were getting. So for them, it's very easy for them to deliver. All they've got to do is is bring your, you know, yeah. cost per acquisition down or something like that. And for you, that's worth giving them that as long you know the difference is is very starting here the problem is a lot of people have no understanding they hear somebody online say oh uh, ppc is the way they go to the lo- first ppc company they can find with 300 pounds and then they want leads on leads and leads and it, it's just not i've done it i've, I've made that mistake yeah. i've been naive and done that and i can I, I just don't think that's the answer yeah no no very good advice so some of your successes that you've had over the years one of them was launching your in-house production facility and um, what yeah. how long ago was that and and you know how has that progressed so so we 
so it was a frustrating. So when we first started the business, we we did we were very much like the traditional sort of promo distributor. So we were effectively we would consult on the product, do the you know source what you needed, do the mock-ups, the design, that sort of stuff, get the samples in, and then when you were ready, we would raise a purchase order and purchase those goods from a specialist factory either in Europe, China, or in the UK. What I found was two things. One, we were a very small player, so. Compared to all of our competitors in the industry, we were spending with some of these big European and Chinese factories. We were spending pittance compared to some of the other people, you know, that we would be competing with. So, as as unjust as it sounds, we wouldn't we wouldn't get priority. So, if I say I'd gone into a company and I'd worked for six months to get an opportunity to to do a project for this company, we'd finally get you know a bone if you like and be given a chance. But it would always be for that first one a small little test job, you know can you do is 25 mugs or something like that you would go to these factories and the problem for me would either be the lead time would be so long i.e because the other priority slots were being given elsewhere or for them there would just it just wasn't uh, you know a priority for them to rush the order through for you to try and honor that to look after that end customer because they had loads of big customers filling up their machines and it just wasn't a priority. They didn't understand the legwork we put in for six months hounding this customer to try and be given an opportunity. And so I'd be so frustrated when I'd done all that work. Finally, I'm buzzing around the office because I've got an opportunity. Go to the factory. Oh, no, sorry, we can't do that in 10 days. 10 days to print 25 months. I mean, it's 30 minutes. It's not even 30 minutes work. Yeah, yeah, but we're, we're too busy. And I just couldn't fathom it. And I, it was it was a real frustration for me. And I thought, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. This, there's got to be more to this. Why is all of these companies in the UK not creating their own production facilities You know, when we're being told no for the most basic things? For now, years down the line, I know why most people don't create their own production facilities because it's an absolute headache. But I do count it as one of the best things we ever did for this company. And it's the thing that sets us apart from, from our competition so that we have our own in-house facility. Um, we have a we run nearly 24 hours a day. We have a day and a night shift, five days a week. And we can say yes when other people are saying no. So, you know, if somebody's like we was six years ago, they go to them and they come to us, they're probably going to get told no for something crazy like a, a mad request in two days. Whereas we have the ability that we've got full control. It's produced here in the UK. It's not in Europe. And we can do one notebook if you really need it, or we can do a thousand and we can say yes when other people say no. And I think when we did that, another thing and it was similar i think we did that because you asked when we launched that didn't you so i think we we started that probably about 2018 so it wasn't that far in it was a couple of years in um and, and i think the first first machine we got was a little little mug press little dye sub mug press and then we went into sort of your t-shirt and you know heat pressing and doing that sort of stuff and it's just evolved and uh, yeah we've got you know a hell of a lot of of different uh, you know decoration things now and that's just growing all the time because we just see the value in it so much for our customers we've just been the the benefit of 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 that production facility because we we had um, a company that had an event in barcelona and they wanted something like 250 wireless chargers printed with their branding on. So we had a 10-day oh, wow. turnaround. And um, obviously, being Barcelona, you had customs as well. So we, we obviously yeah. phoned and spoke with Jack. And he was like, okay, not a problem. 
we can do it. Oh, and they arrived after about six days, I think, in Barcelona, got through customs after three, made it to the event on the 10th day. And I was like, why did we, I was like, why did we take that order? That was such a risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's um, amazing. And that and the stories yeah. like that, Dan, that, that make you think, yeah, do you know what? It was worth having that because I, I can tell you for a fact that just never would have happened before we had that. Yeah. I just know it wouldn't. We, we would just been a straight no. And it's so it's times like that when you just think, yeah, that's that was so worth. Yeah, you know, it's so worth the headaches and the ups and the downs. It's 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 gaining control, isn't it? As well, you know, you're you're in control, which is one of the biggest stress points when you're not in control. You're relying on others. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you also launched um, a totally branded online training course. How? What was that about, and how how's it gone? Yeah. So going back to systems and processes, it, it, it very much ties to that. So we were in a bit of a, a stride where people would be joining and we would be always like, oh, somebody's joining this week, brilliant, right, okay, so who's going to do the onboarding, right, well, he's in that team, right, right. they've got all their documents, they've got signed, got all the policies, and it was just a real mishmash. And what we found was somebody would be onboarded, say, by myself, who would join the who joined the team and they would be told, oh, right, this is how we do this, and this is how we do that. And then somebody would be onboarded by a different department manager or something like that. They'd be shown, and there was just such inconsistency. And what would start to happen is a few months in, somebody would go, Oh, I didn't know that's how that worked. And and you would get these questions, and then all these cracks would appear as you know, in, in the way we were onboarding. So, first of all, we started like a checklist, did that, and then we thought, no, oh, it's got to be more to this. Um and so we found this sort of platform, which has been really good. If anyone wants to check it out, it's called Customer Hub. And effectively, what, what you do is I just got a videographer to film me for a couple of days. And we just stood in the meeting room and I recorded hours, painstakingly, hours and hours of content, if you like, speaking to people on their first day. And it's training videos which is everything from our values and our DNA to how you how you access the building of our FOB system to how to request holiday, our policies on this, policies on that, but all the way through to, you know, how do we look after a customer when something's gone wrong? You know, ha- what happens if the courier doesn't turn up on time in, in dispatch? You know, every single area, you know, from me, and then there's a few little clips in there from managers talking about, you know, in production, for example, our production manager does a piece on why it's important that we leave our work areas tidy and clean. And it just sets the tone. So on day one, they do their sort of walk around and they do their meet all the staff and they meet their manager and everything. But then they spend just a good few hours on their laptop just watching these videos, being able to take notes. And then we do these little sort of, quiz exams at the end of each day to sort of write you know and it feels a little bit like going back to school but oh my god the 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 speed that we've onboarded people and got them to be in what would normally take so i'll give you a really easy example with sales people right so salesperson we never expected them to really even process an order for about two and a half three months a year back all of a sudden we've introduced this new thing and within the first week they're trained out shadowing somebody but they're processing their own orders within you know within about a week and that's just because of the speed of the thing but also of that delivery but also because that online portal doesn't go away 
they could be here for nine months and log back into their account and do a refresher on any module that they feel that would be beneficial. Or even if, as they're doing the quote on the second side of their screen, they just want to refresh it to make sure they've done that correctly. They can be watching somebody walk them through it, even if nobody's available. Um, and so, yeah, going back to what you said earlier about leverage, you know, leverage time, that was a a big investment in my time and planning of that but wow it was it was an incredible thing and the feedback we've had from people in all departments has been yeah really really good on that brilliant i mean that's that sounds fantastic and the cost savings as well because yeah like you said you've done the work once but yeah if, if someone's producing orders for you after a week instead of after three months you know the amount of reduction in training time which obviously pulls someone else away is is huge Crazy. It's huge. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's something, again, you know, even two years ago, I wouldn't have seen the value in that. I wouldn't have understood it. It's only mm-hmm. as we're sort of getting into these, you know, larger numbers that you, my day and my outlook on everything that I'm doing is completely different to, yeah. to those couple of years ago. And I think it's sort of sometimes, you know, even people that listen to this, that you know, you sometimes hear it and you think, yeah, that's great, but I need to worry about bringing in the next deal to keep, you know, so I can pay the wages this month. But I think as a company gets to a certain size, you you don't get to decide that you're forced into this role of, you know, you've got to be thinking about that leverage, just sort of time and that of what you're doing and, and training and, and people. And somebody said something really good to me, which is what struck really well when we decided to do that was, you know, your job isn't to grow the business as the managing director, your job is to grow the people that will grow the business. Mm. And I think that that's, you know, investing into that training and all that sort of stuff was just, you know, it yeah. has monumental impact. Investing in people is one of the most powerful things you can do, isn't it, I think? Talking of people, you encouraged your family to join your crazy vision. <laughs> yeah. So who, yeah, who, who have you got? Who have you got? So my, so my dad... Um, was the first person to join me it took a lot of convincing Fantastic. so he he joined us you know within the first year of me sort of going alone and, and going for it and I sort of convinced him at the time I said look dad if you you know jump into what is effectively nothing with me and take a big risk you know we'll we'll go 50 50 and you can you can you know be a shareholder and we'll, we'll sort of go together in this and and I don't know how, but he did. And yeah, he's he's now our finance director. So he runs everything financial and, and all that sort of stuff, which is incredible because that's definitely not my strong point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no one, you know, you could rely on more than than him in terms of running that department and, and everything like that and the financial strategy. So that's really good. And then my mum joined um, and she's sort of done, she's done every job in the company, I think, over the years as we've grown. We sort of said, right, mum, we need you here now need you there she's she's helped me in customer service she she sort of was a bit of like a bit like my assistant at one point helping me when i was out on the road a lot um she's worked in embroidery and now she's in finance um she's sort of calmed down a little bit and she's you know slowing down she works four days a week now and she's doing a little bit of, of admin and that my brother uh sort of middle brother if you like mitchell he he joined as a salesperson he was on you know commission only at the start when we were a lot smaller so he's really committed a lot in terms of he was on you know pennies when he first started and he's worked his way up and he now leads our whole sales team and, and all, all of that sort of strategies which are amazing and then my youngest brother he scares me a bit because he's he's just going to be 18 in a couple of weeks and <laughs> i if i was him you know if i, I think back to me at 18 and i wasn't half as knowledgeable witty and you know what he's done so he leads our, our production and operations and he you know the, 
Wow. The guy's 17 years old and he's, you know, a force to be reckoned with. He's, you know, leading not far off of, of, of 20 odd people a day and a night shift. He looks after all our new machinery, liaises with all the suppliers in the UK, abroad. Um, yeah. It's, so by the time he's sort of like 24, 25, I, you know, he could be doing some really, really great things. But yeah, so, and then my, my partner works here, um, Charlotte, my, my girlfriend. So she she's in sales. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real family affair, if you like. Brilliant. Oh, that, I absolutely love that. I mean, that is a, yeah, you've got it. Have you got any pets? You know, could you get them? <laughs> yes, Ralph, Ralph. My they, get them involved? He, 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 <laughs> yeah, he's normally the mascot. Yeah, he yeah. Pops in. doesn't do a lot, but um, he, he I absolutely, by. no, I absolutely love that. That's a great, I mean, it's, it's nothing better than obviously having your family around as well. Um, I imagine it's challenging at times though, if you're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> we've had, we've, we've had some, some ups and downs over the years, but it never normally lasts more than an hour or so. We're very lucky. Yeah. I'm incredibly lucky the dynamic. A lot of people have asked me that and said, oh, it must've been a real, you know, it must be a real challenge. And it's never really felt like that. I must admit, I've, I've felt I've heard people with horror stories and, and things and I, I get it and it, it's definitely not for everyone I would imagine um mm. but I've just been so incredibly lucky it's only when you talk to people like you Dan in on these sort of conversations you realize just how lucky you know you are to have people you know we literally can have really heated discussions but it's never from a point of personal being it's always you know because they've got such a passion for this business and, and doing what we're all setting out to do and building something great that it just channels through. And I think they're all, and, and I'm incredibly lucky that the way I describe it to a lot of people is that I'm working on tomorrow mm. and they're working on today. Um, and I'm not very good at running today by any stretch. I'm not a great manager at all. So, you know, I'm trying to work on that, but I'm just not because I'm very impatient. I'm I'm a controller, and I'm very sort of onto the next thing. I want to I start something and then I'm off. Um, so whereas the guy's very good at grabbing something, and go right, okay, that's what he means. We've started it off. Now we're going to see it through and make sure it's done properly. And so we're incredibly lucky. That I think that dynamic, and um, I think it's another reason why we are where we are today. Sounds yeah, sounds brilliant. Love it, absolutely love it. So what's uh, what's next for Totally Branded? So obviously you're working on the future. So you must be looking towards yeah. fifty people. You've already mentioned fifty people. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've got our sort of hiring plan laid out. I think we're going to you know sort of edge up to sort of fifty people. You know, over the next few months, <laughs> going back to recruitment if we can find them. But yeah, and we've, space um, and space. Know, <laughs> space yeah 100 percent. that's the next big thing but yeah we're, we're just about to launch an e-commerce website so we've never sort of allowed that before we've always been very much a lead generation but we want to we want to try and make our, our process for the customer experience as seamless as possible so we've been working for about a year and a half on a brand new online portal which will allow people to see all their previous orders store their, all their artwork create wish lists for different customers and that sort of stuff so we're, we're heavily working on that which will will allow our, a much better customer experience we are looking at a few acquisitions within the space um, of sort of other businesses that are perhaps looking to move on and do other things and, and sort of grow the group a little bit we have our sites and, and it will be a, a while yet but we do have our sites and we've started to have some very brief conversations into europe we would love to you know expand into europe but we want to get the uk right first but yeah um, for us it's just about just creating a, a fantastic brand that you know isn't necessarily the biggest but we want to be you know a tr truly trusted you know and we want to have a really good reputation with our customers that you know sometimes especially in our industry 
and things go wrong. And we want to be the company that you've got confidence in that if something does go wrong, we'll be the first to put our hands up and help you put it right um, and make that as seamless. And, and we're not trying to scurry out of it. And, and we just want to, you know, say yes more than we say no and, and make things a lot smoother for customers in this sector. Because it is a tricky sector at times. There's lots that can go wrong, like you said, with international mm-hmm. shipping and printing onto goods and that sort of stuff. There's there's so many variables and things that are not as easy as just buying, you know, something plain and drop shipping it somewhere. It's not quite as simple as that. So we want to try and make it as Amazonian, if you like, as, as you can. Yeah. Um, so that buying this sort of stuff becomes, you know, very painless and, and an enjoyable process. Amazing. Sounds fantastic. And if people wanted to obviously find out more about you and find your website, what's yeah, the website so address? It's www.totallybranded.co.uk. And yeah, as I say, we're pumping a few things out on YouTube. Yeah, I regularly speak to people on LinkedIn. So, you know, if anyone wanted to chat on, you know, love to, love to, love to speak. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, Taylor. I mean, it's been a fabulous story. I mean, only six years in, it's scary to think where you're going to be in another few years. So I think we'd love to have you back on maybe in two years time and see see how you've progressed over those over those um, two years. But um, that, was, that, that was We Built This Business with Taylor Tassie. So until next time, thanks very much.